And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic We are now in the off-season Finally, officially No races, no testing No connecting flights to grab No van trips to do Unless somebody really wants to No media scrums to rush to But we're not about to go into total hibernation There's still so much to talk about All of our regular episodes being cut from the three hours that we want to talk for to the hour that anybody's willing to listen for. So yeah, whether it's reflecting on 2023, looking forward to 2024, or some hybrid of the two, because let's be honest, it's been like one day <laughs> between the two seasons. Um, we've got a lot to we've got a lot to get this off season. But firstly, a uh, three interview special for you. I'm Valentin Harunji, filling in as host today. With me, of course, is uh, Simon Patterson, our chief MotoGP correspondent. Both of us quite beat down with traditional postseason sickness, I believe, back at our respective homes. Oh yeah, how are you? How are you doing, Simon? How are you holding up? Um, I mean, th- this this voice is not me trying to sound cool and like Liam Neeson esque. This is just me racked with a chest infection since the minute I got in the door to finish the season. But there you go. That is very typical. Yeah, Fabio Quartararo is chuckling now. Probably he's he's probably healthy by now. You're holding him responsible <laughs> for all of this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm holding myself and being glib about it for. I'm holding that responsible. But anyway, before we both came down with illness, or maybe also partially during, obviously lots of feature writing, lots of winter content preparation, but also somebody went down to Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken, and it wasn't to hear the new Beatles single, wasn't anything like that. It was for the FIM Gala as part of that. Uh, you spoke to the champions of the three uh, Grand Prix racing classes. What? We technically up to Liverpool because we, we drove from Valencia back to Northern Ireland so it was on the route uh-huh. which was uh, really nice of the FIM to organise for us by putting the gala directly on our path home um, yeah it, it took a bit of scrambling to get the three people that we wanted to speak to. well no that's not true it took a bit of scrambling to get one of them uh, and the other two were easy to get a hold of as, as you'll learn or as you'll hear whenever it comes to the interviews themselves but yeah we, we got to speak to all three Grand Prix champions in one day yeah, pretty pretty nifty. And yeah, indeed, you will. I think you'll be able to tell from the general, I wouldn't say audio quality, but audio ambience, which one, which ones were sit-down chats and which was, well, as, as you'd expect, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty standard. Yeah. But before we get to that, you know, for reasons of novelty, and honestly, because it's a, it's a hell of an interview, and you'll hear very quickly that it's a hell of an interview, with a writer that we're guessing a lot of the audience won't have heard that much from, say for like, you know, post-race chats with the Dorna microphones or the BT Sport, TNT Sports microphones. Our first chat is with one Pedro Acosta, Moto2 champion, and as it stands, the 2024 MotoGP Rookie of the Year. Congratulations, Pedro.
Pedro Costa, thanks for joining us. Thank um, you. In a very cold and wintry Liverpool that's not not very much like Valencia, eh? Yeah, I mean, now in Murcia we are like 22 degrees in midday. It's <laughs> totally opposite. But also I arrived yesterday from uh, Austria, okay. from KTM. Man, it was like... <laughs> Minus three or minus four. I mean, it was crazy, but uh, anyway, it was good. It was good. Good, good. Um, another championship completed. Another uh, another trophy to take home at the end of the year. Another medal. Um, how do you how do you assess the season? Because it looks like from the middle of last year, whenever things clicked with Moto Two, it just everything rolled pretty smoothly from there. Yeah, I mean, uh, a season to remember. Yeah. A season to remember. I mean. For sure was my best season ever around my career because the constancy that we take was huge. I mean, was super good because in this winter I was thinking about 2022 season, do a balance and these things. And one thing that was clear to me that I'm not going to say that I lose the championship because Augusto was freaking fast. But I lose the option to fight for better position at the moment that I crash five times in a row. I say this year, okay, we need to be in top five every race. Mm -hmm. If we are in top five every race, even if we don't win any race, we win the championship. Yeah. Was it a distraction thinking about next season, about the MotoGP thing all the way through? Because all of the thing with Paul and Augusto and what was going to happen, there was a lot going on for you. Yeah, well... I don't think too much about that. I mean, I'm proud of myself because I was too focused in Moto2. Yes. And don't think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I say in many interviews and in many medias that I say, boys, this is not my job. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can on track. Yeah. And I think the result at talking uh, alone. I mean, my manager is doing his job. I cannot be in the middle. I mean... If they win me, if they want to have me in his side, they are going to find the solution. And if they can't have me in his side, my manager will arrive, uh, take the solution. I mean, I cannot do anything just more than go on track and do good results, you know, for this. Also, I remember that we have a talk with Nico of Gasgas mm -hmm. in uh, yeah. Indonesia. Uh, and I say, man, I give you my phone, but don't thanks, text me before I finish the championship because <laughs> I don't want to know anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, anything, zero, zero. Also, I remember that Hervé texts me uh, yeah. after winning Indonesia and I spent like one month to answer his message. I mean, <laughs> and I say, when I respond, I say, Hervé, sorry to don't... Uh, <laughs> answer you the, the the message but i need it this time for me i mean yeah. this is my moment this is my time to go full for something yes. and i cannot through all the world the work that we did to the rubbish for 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 wait one month yeah. i mean yeah. for this i'm happy because they respect me a lot about that cool i, I spoke to Hervé uh, in valencia and he said that you had never spoken, never arrived until Qatar. He said yeah. you came in Qatar yeah. Yeah. to see the bike. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And also, uh, I mean, after I finished the test in Valencia, he came directly to me and he said, now you can answer my message. Eh? <laughs> no, but I mean, 
I'm super happy because they respect in every moment. I mean, they, I think they understand that first I need to finish one target to yeah. go to the other one. But uh, anyway, uh, I was quite happy in the way that they was managing my myself during these two or three months. And Tuesday in Valencia, the first time to try the new bike, was it everything you expected it to be? Well, I spent <laughs> a little bit less. Okay. I mean, okay. it was amazing how many, how much people of the factory was around me just to help me to understand how to ride a bike. I, I was in pit lane when you came in for the first time and we couldn't even see you. Yeah. There were so many people I mean, in. No, yeah. but this was, this was whole day. I mean, yeah, yeah. 20 or 30 people around, yeah. just listen myself, uh, having Pedrosa also there. Helping me to understand how how to manage the tires, the brakes, and the things was yeah. crazy, man. It was crazy. <laughs> I I say also Monday when I put the suit on, I do the feet and these things. I say I'm nervous because I never have many people around just for a feet of the yes. bike. I mean, and Alpine star uh, Fabiano, that is the guy that is making the bike. I yeah. Mean, I, around making pictures i mean <laughs> put this the 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 ass in this position let's yeah. see what we can do when we do wind tunnel i mean watch skills change man but uh, i don't know i was super happy super happy uh, the Katian group put many 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 people of the factory around me to 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 have proper team to yeah. to do good things you know for this i know that it's quite soon to say but the bike is super competitive yes it's super yes. competitive i mean uh, i didn't expect that okay i didn't i expect okay now i'm talking from a guy that make 18 in valencia 1.2 seconds uh, from the first it's a huge gap at the moment yes and maybe i'm gonna be a i'm gonna write the moment that i say man we need new things yes you know? yeah, yeah but at the moment i have to say that i don't know if i'm gonna be 2024 but for maximum 2025 the bike had gonna be the nightmare of many manufacturers <laughs> for this let's prepare because our orange thing are gonna arrive <laughs> so this this makes the decision to stay with ktm to be a part of this family this makes it so easy now you know no i mean huh? Uh, I have to say that we had many options. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, before sign. this is no surprise. Yeah. This before no signs, but I say that it repeat. I mean, what is the plan? Mm -hmm. What is the plan? Because I mean, I have to do um, one MotoGP season with you. Okay, but what is the plan yeah. for for this MotoGP season? He come directly and he say, I, I'm not gonna say the target, but this is the target of the project. Maximum 2024. Mm -hmm. And I say, but man, this is next year. <laughs> we know. We know and we know that we have to, we have to give you a proper bike in three months. And I say, okay, but I give you five. Five months to, to talk about yes. the bike. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. they're really surprised. I mean, <laughs> they are gonna be the nightmare of many, many, many manufacturers. I mean, it's crazy the guys that are there. I mean, you cannot imagine how many people is working just for MotoGP project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the, I've been to the factory, huge, I've seen the size huge, of it, it's incredible. Yeah. 
for this uh, I don't know uh, also I mean we have to be realistic I mean they pay two full season in the Rookies Cup they pay yeah. three seasons in the World Championship at five years uh, they pay everything to me everything everything also I remember that back in the days when I do my first Moto3 season I don't have money to buy a bike for training I mean yeah. I was training with the shit that I have I mean <laughs> and I say to to Pete and Jens men's I don't know how to say this but I need help for for this I mean I cannot spend the money that I don't have for, for a bike. I mean, I need help for you. They don't say anything. And then arrive a new, a brand new 450 <laughs> in the door of my house uh, with a letter that put, now you have a new bike to train. <laughs> Keep going, I mean. And I say, fuck. <laughs> that boy, uh, they, they come serious, this I mean. Is, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I mean, they give, the hundred or twenty percent that they have in the pockets, in yeah. the hands, in the factory to give me. I mean, yes. because also I remember in twenty twenty one we tried new at uh, the new <clears throat> Moto three that they are using now. Mm -hmm. I tried one test and the seat was quite different. And I say, boys, I I want this for the championship. I I want this. Yeah. Okay, we cannot bring a new seat because it was in uh, in the regulation. The, yeah, yeah. But they was super focused to give me something similar. And yes. I remember that I, they come with other uh, sponge in, for the shit. Yeah, it was yeah. totally different. <laughs> and I say, that's my boys. That's my boys. <laughs> for this, I don't know. They, they, they are giving the 120% from first day. Yes. From first day. Because yeah. I remember when I, we broke this contract with uh, Prustel yeah, yeah. before coming to the championship. Yeah. And they come directly and say, boy, we don't know if we have a seat for you, but if you need, you can do another year in the Rookies Cup. Okay. In the Rookies Cup. That this is not this normal. This is not normal at all. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. the maximum is three seasons. Yeah. Was my second one, and yeah. when you win, you leave. You leave. I yeah. mean, I remember that when I, in the Rookies Cup, you have a meeting in the end of the season, mm -hmm. like to talk about your progression yeah, and yeah. say if you are going to continue or not. And I remember one guy, uh, I don't remember the name at the moment, say, I, I remember that I entered, I, I entered to this meeting with a Screech, and he said to both, boys, I'm so happy to have you these two years in the championship, but I think your learning process in the cup come to the end. Yeah. I mean, you have amazing progression both, uh, you make a... Amazing two seasons, mm -hmm. but I think it's the day to leave the championship and give the opportunity to other guys. I respect from the first moment, yeah, yeah. was what it is. I mean, but then I remember I arrived at Meda to say, if you need, you can ride one more year. I mean, and was like, okay, what's the opportunity that I need? Just not to show the people. But just to keep riding because yeah, yeah, yeah. if I go home for one whole year, you lose. Yeah, I I, I stop my career. Exactly. I stop my career. Exactly. For this, uh, I don't know. They give everything and more from first day for this. I, I need to continue with them and also after trying the bike, I say to Pete, I think it's still way to go together. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna be so nice. I mean, when I talk with uh, Katian boys, I mean, I can arrive and. 
don't think about what I'm talking about. Also, if I say one shit thing, they are gonna respect. I mean, it's quite important that they also accept my comments for yeah. for for the. I'm not gonna say to develop the bike, but for for everything. I mean, they uh, they are so clear to me, and I try to be so clear to them. I mean, you, you said they give 120% to you. I think everyone knows why, because everyone sees your talent, everyone sees what is, is hopefully in the future, but you handle this really well. You don't seem to let this become, you know, it must be super difficult to hear everyone, ah, he is the next Mark Marquez. Even Mark is saying it now, which I think is to put some pressure on you because we know what he is like, but you handle it really well. You just smile and laugh. Yeah, I mean, uh, imagine when I arrived in the championship, Yeah. in my very first press conference uh, in Jerez, I think. Yeah. I mean, I listen things like, Pedro Acosta is gonna jump to MotoGP directly. <laughs> Pedro Acosta is the new Mar Marquez. He's making history. He's breaking records. Uh, he's so good. We never see something like this. Imagine how many things I listen yeah. in this day. And yeah, day. I can. Yeah. And I was three years younger than now. Yeah. In three years, you change a of lot, course. man. You change a lot. And I have to say that half Remy in my side helped me a lot in the okay. past to, to understand how is MotoGP. I mean, the guy that is smiling you is not your friend. Yeah. Sometimes, no, of course. This. I, I understand how is this war. Uh, thanks for, for Remy for this. Uh, now I just flowing. I mean, I have to say that that team is giving the 120% for me, but, and you say that now it's easy, but in the days it was not easy. No, I can't I imagine mean, this. I mean, in Moto3 was not easy. Yeah. In, and also when nobody believed in me, uh, when I started to crash in Moto2, they was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't ask him about anything. What you need to go fast? What we can do? What you need? How we can improve the bike? How, what we can do? I mean, for the, it wasn't notice in the days, but uh, now I say many things. I, many times, I mean, I'm not the new Mar Marquez, I'm the new Pedro Costa. I mean, exactly. I changed a lot from my first season to now. Mm -hmm. I changed a lot from last season to now. I mean, it's sad that I say this to myself, but I think I'm new, a totally new person now. I mean, yeah. in, in, the, in the form that I start to think about the things for this, was good. was good to, to, to have difficult season also to, to yeah, start yeah, yeah. to think. But this is also totally normal at your age, to change, yeah. to grow, <laughs> to, to become yeah, different. Yeah, but I mean, you know? I think I changed so fast also. Yeah. I changed so, so, so fast, I mean. From, I, I listen things that I say in some interviews last season and now I, I know what to say or how to manage the media and these things for this. <laughs> I mean, you cannot feel pressure if you don't have pressure on your shoulders for this. KTM <laughs> is help me, helping me a lot for this, for this. I don't think about what the people is talking about. I just try to think what I think about myself, yeah. what my boss is from Aki to Herbe to uh, Pete to Peter to everyone think about me mm -hmm. because at the end are the people that know me since I was a kid. I mean, yes. for this, I just try to be focusing myself and don't think what the people is talking about. You're coming into MotoGP next season to a championship that is maybe a little bit, it's not where it was when you were young. It's not where it was when I was young. I think 
we need another, we need some more characters. We need some more interesting people. And I know that you've already said you're not afraid of this and we can see it. I mean, I'm not going to say that uh, it's bad for, for the sport. I yeah. mean, but I was a fan not so long. Yes. You know, and uh, I know what the people want to see in TV. <laughs> I mean, do you remember Valentino and Biaggi? Yeah. They cannot see the faces to the yeah, other. Exactly. I mean, and uh, I remember that before Valentino go to 250, he say one thing, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but uh, he say, um, I don't want to be the match VI of 250. Match VI want to be the Valentino Rossi <laughs> yeah, of one to five. Exactly. I mean, it was <laughs> boom. I mean... <laughs> what hell is happening? I mean, this thing was huge. I remember yes. Suzuka? Yeah. 2002? With the, <laughs> with the like fingers? This. Yeah. Uh, and then he go directly to camera and say, yeah, I do like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now <laughs> we, we see these things from other UP guy and for sure the... the Dorna switch off the TV. Yeah, 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 exactly, I mean, exactly. Or like Alesh getting the penalty. Yeah, you know. I mean, well. Yeah, a, li a little different, a little different, things. yes. But, but One thing is to do like yes, this and the yes. other thing is the other part. Yeah, yeah, anyway, uh, remember Jerez 2004 with Sete? Yeah. Going upstairs and Sete say like, what you are fucking doing? I mean, <laughs> and he was like laughing around and... <laughs> Man, uh, what else? We have more things yeah. to talk about. Uh, uh, the, the fight, you remember, between him and Biagi when they punched? Yeah. There yeah. was this. Also, Capiroshi uh, and uh, the Japanese. Harada. Harada. For the championship. And yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing happened in these days. <laughs> I mean, I, I born in the wrong era. I mean, <laughs> I need to go in the days with... I mean, uh, <laughs> how to say, like... Uh, smoking the, the cigarette. Yeah, smoking brands yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. and beers <laughs> and whatever. I mean, this was good days. <laughs> yes. Good days in the championship. I mean, I'm sorry to say <laughs> this. I mean, I know that this is not good for, for a sport show this but brand, it is. but... Yeah. Look the last uh, Formula One GP in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, poker bets and these things I mean this is nice also I mean it's real life for yeah. this I know that the people need someone to to see these things not punch anyone but yeah yeah but people want to see things, exactly spicy exactly. things because fuck I remember I put this summer the first photo with my girlfriend I mean I was two years with her yes. I mean and now the first photo the Instagram was full, full. I mean, I have more likes and more comments than when I win a race. I mean, the people want these people, things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Want to see that the riders, we are human. Exactly. No robots exactly. for this. Yeah. Was quite different before. It uh, was much better before, but also we have to adapt ourselves. Uh, it's true that I don't go. I say to, which is the team manager of factory team in KTM now? Uh, Quidotti, yeah, I, I, yeah, we have a meeting with him and he said, yeah, but for first day in Valencia, you just go and have a fun and this thing. And I say, man, I don't come here to have fun. 
if you yes. want to see racing in this side, I respect 100%. Also, we need to have fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to jump a MotoGP bike for have, uh, fun. I mean, I come here to achieve result for myself, for the factory, for everyone. I mean, and this is one thing that Lorenzo say many times, but when you are having fun, when you win, mm-hmm. when you win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on track, it's only one guy that are going to win the race. Yes. And he's the only one that are going to have fun. <laughs> it's tough to say, and <laughs> I don't want to sound uh, proud or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but it's like this. this is it's like this. And when you are on a factory team, they expect that you have to win. And everything that is doing being second is bad result for this. I mean, I grow up with this mentality for this. It's true that I have good relationship with Screech, with uh, Martin, with uh, Alex or yeah. whatever, with some of them. I yeah, mean, yeah. But uh, if people want to see battles on tracks. So this means that even if it's not completely possible in the rookie season, you have to start next year wanting to win. No, 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 no. It's not a target, but... Yeah, yeah. But it, it's the, the motivation, it's the energy. I, mean, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that we need... Now, in December, I'm not in the level to fight for wins. No, no. Because I was 18 in Valencia. I mean, yes. we have to be realistic also. Yeah, yeah. But it's the final target. Yeah. So far, so far. Yeah. I mean, but it's like a sentence that maybe this winter I take a tattoo. Uh, it's like, shot to the moon. Even if you fail, you will arrive or you yeah. will land between the stars. Yes. I mean, it's not the same shooting like this. Yeah, yeah. The bullets are going to arrive here. Yeah. That shoot like this yeah. and go so far. I mean, for this, um, it's, time, it's time to dream, but also don't forget that watch is our level now. I mean, win is the final target, the final result. We have to do many things uh, before I arrive there. Uh, but I think with KTM, with the bike that we have, and also the team that they make to me from beginning to the end, we can uh, we can be competitive. Uh, I don't know if he's in the first race, he's in the middle of the championship, if he's in the, in the end, but we will be competitive. Perfect. Thank, Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. So in case for you as a listener, that was your first like long form introduction to Pedro Acosta, He's he's really up for this, isn't he? And I don't just mean riding in MotoGP and having the talent to be in MotoGP, as was obvious for a long time. But he just, the enthusiasm, it really just, it comes across. And, you know, obviously, I picked it up also attending his post, post-test session, which was, I think, longer and more enthusiastic than I, I expected at all. And it comes across even more here, even though it's the end of season gala and everybody's tired and he's had a very long season, you know, just get him chatting about retro, retro MotoGP and, you know, that kind of stuff. 125cc, 250cc, and there he goes. The shocking takeaway for me from this was that he talks about the Rossi versus Biagi battles in particular like someone that watched them play by play instead of someone who was born like four years after they happened. He is so obviously a student of the sport and he gets, he doesn't just get that people want to see me as non-track racing. He gets that there's so much more to being 
a Valentino Rossi or a Mark Marquez. There's so much more to be in that that kind of figure that can can step above the sport. And I think he wants to be one. Um, he's not going to try to be one, but all the tools are there. Yeah, I think honestly, the part that surprises me about it is not that you know he has a keen interest in those sort of past subjects because everybody's human. And if you, you know, to be in motor racing and dedicate your life to motor racing and motorcycle racing, it stands to reason that you would quite enjoy motorcycle racing. You know, you'd have a, you'd have a big interest, but given how young he, he is, how much of his life has already been dedicated to perfecting his craft rather than, you know, learning the history of the sport, you know, he's not me and you, he, does not have the, not that we have a ton of free time i probably shouldn't have phrased it that way but he he has even less free time to dedicate to this kind of thing to go back to old video archives and see you know valentin rossi and max biaggi egg each other on and you know watch set Egiber now and that kind of stuff so that's that is the part that sort of surprises me a bit but i think it's not a it's clearly not a put on it's legit if, if it's not legit, he is the, the best actor who's ever lived and he's being wasted in MotoGP when he can win Oscars every year, isn't it? But but when you hear him talk about how competitive he is as well and, and how desperate he is to come into MotoGP and do something, it, it's very obvious that he's also got that side of it. And I've always said this, as long as I've been working in the industry, I've said that there's two types of motorbike racers. There's the one who... If they were really, really bad at riding a motorbike, they'd be wobbling around at the back of a club race because they just love motorbikes. Yeah. And there's the type who, if they were really bad at riding motorbikes, they'd be winning World Cups or Tiddlywinks Championships or Chess Grandmasters because they'd find somewhere else to the competitiveness. And the only two guys that I've ever seen that, that fit into both categories really neatly is Valentino Rossi and Marc Marquez. And listening to Acosta talk about all aspects of his, you know, of his love of the sport, I think we've got another one. Yeah, potentially. I mean, still, still a lot to do on track, obviously. To yeah, to yeah, no, I'm, I'm not talking yeah. about in terms of results. I'm just like sure, solely from terms of personality, he gets both sides of it. He gets the competitiveness, but he also gets the love of everything too wild. There's something he's, he told you outside of the recording that you were desperate to bring up to us immediately and, and, and mention. Yeah. So we, we got talking coming out of the room and uh, I said that, um, you know, he needed to go and see the Element TT because all the things he said about harken back to a different age of race. And I find a lot of those still exist at the, on the Isle of Man. And he was like, yeah, I really badly want to go to the TT. My favorite motorbike racer is Michael Dunlop. And I was just like, how does a teenage Spanish kid even know who Michael Dunlop is? But he doesn't just know him. Like, he knows the entire Dunlop family story. He um, he told me that he's never swapped a helmet with any racer uh, that he's ever competed against, but he wants to do a helmet swap with Michael. Uh, we're already working on plans to get him over to the TT for, for 2024 um, through a, a mutual friend that hopefully can make something happen. Uh, Michael Dunlop's team have been in touch to say we really want to try and connect these guys um, because Pedro is, again, obviously just a, a big fan of motorbike racing. Um, I, you know, again... I, I don't like making all these comparisons, but the only other MotoGP rider I know who's a massive TT fan is Valentino Rossi. And it, it, 
I don't. I'm not saying that to you know put pressure on Pedro to be the next big thing or anything like that. But it's very obvious that Valentino Rossi shares just an absolute love of bike racing, and uh, I think we're seeing that with Pedro too. Um, it's it's super refreshing actually to have someone that that sees the sport from a bit of a different perspective and who realizes that there's a a world of motorbike racing outside the MotoGP paddock. We're, we'll we'll have a lot of the winter to talk about both of these things, but you know what stuck out to me is firstly you know his KTM enthusiasm obviously and the the potential he sees in the bike because I think maybe even a year ago we had some doubts over whether Pedro Costa's KTM future was a byproduct of long lasting ties rather than faith in the project if that makes sense and now I think that that doubt is basically gone. Also, thanks to the pro- progress KTM has showed on track and thanks to Pedro's debut on the bike. And the second thing I would say is, you know, it's that whole character debate and the uh, one I don't often like to have because for me, it's just, it's not really that much of a thing. I think there's enough character in MotoGP. I think there's enough, just all the things that we need are there and it just needs momentum to really capitalize on them. But at the same time, this is sort of, I do feel something new here in terms of the way he presents himself, in terms of, you know, this sheer, this massive enthusiasm, but also a lack of certain, I don't want to say a lack of restraint in what he says, but this is not what you would expect a, you know, Red Bull KTM coached forever rider to sound like. And, you know, I would say for better and for worse, but right now I can only say for better. So... That's that's really that really sticks out to me. He, I actually thought he was he was alluding a little bit at the beginning to agreeing with what you said about how his KTM future wasn't that certain mm-hmm. um, until he jumped on the bike and discovered that it was actually incredible. Right now, I think that there was there was a little bit of of hint that his plan was maybe one year in and out to honor his you know honor what they've given to him and to see what happened in his rookie season. But now that he's discovered that the bike's, you know, potentially a title contender very soon, um, all of a sudden he's changed his tune. And uh, there's going to be a bit of a bigger project there now than, than maybe there would have been if he'd got the bike that it sounded like he was almost expecting to get. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Next up, we have a five-minute chat with Mr. Peko Banyaya, a writer who I think much of the audience will have maybe heard a bit more from, but, you know, still something quite fresh and quite new because he... He did have both a, a title decider that was quite quite heated and a postseason test that went quite well. And, and for context, we literally spoke to him. We literally dragged him off the red carpet, having just collected his uh, FIM World Champions medal. So it it we were we were the first people in the world who weren't on the stage with him to speak to him when he was officially crowned a world champion. So th- there's that. Pekka Bagnaya, thank you for making a, a little bit of time at the FIM Gala. Um, we've been, what, three days since the end of the season. Has it has the, the new title sunk in yet, or is it still a little bit a uh, little bit too busy to think about it? No, I think about it. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday at home, I, I rewatched um, things about uh, the championship, and it uh, was fantastic. I realized before than last year. Last year was more uh, difficult to understand the situation. This year I understand it uh, before. The test went uh, perfectly, so um, nothing more to say, nothing more to want after the, the championship. How different was this year's championship fight when we got to Valencia? We saw you looking like a completely different guy. Um, someone, someone asked me, I think on Friday, who was going to win, and I said, well, Peko looks like the guy who's super calm right now, you know? Last year was more uh, <laughs> under pressure, considering that also that last year the situation was easier because we just won race, uh, 23 points of gap advantage was a better situation. But this year I, I feel better because I, w- I was knowing perfectly how strong we are on under pressure, that we know perfectly that if the world was going well, and Friday was not going so well. We could manage to, to be competitive on the race and uh, we did it. So finally, uh, I feel that this year we, we improved a lot compared to last year. Did you expect at the beginning of the season that it would be Jorge that you were fighting with at the end? I was expecting more riders, uh, also Fabio, uh, Marquez, more Ducatis, but finally we finished in three, three Ducatis at the, at the front. So. Uh, I was expecting the Torque was doing a step because compared last year the the bike he was having was better for sure. 
So I was expecting him, but um, not like this. We're, we're already talking about next year. You've already tested the new bike. The test seemed to go really well. Yeah. But it looks like next season's championship is maybe even harder to predict because we don't know what so many people are going to do next year. I think too. I think the same. Uh, I think that uh, we could be, like this year, uh, competitive, fast. I think that this time I learned from my mistakes. Uh, I hope, really hope. But I think that also many riders are competitive. Uh, I, we don't know Yama uh, if they can bring something good. We don't know Honda if they can bring something good. Aprilia for sure will do a step. KTM will do a step. Market will be competitive again. So it will be tough. We'll, tough for sure, difficult to understand. But uh, the most important thing is to be competitive, be in the front. How, how did the test go? Because it looked strong it looked like you were immediately pretty relaxed with uh, with where the bike was at afterwards i was very happy uh trying the new bike because uh this year was at the start i was feeling great with the new bike uh, because on braking was very good but after uh races and races we started to have some issues and uh, every friday we were struggling and I, what I tried in the test in um, on Tuesday, Tuesday, I was thinking that I was feeling great, uh, great with it, and uh, I think we did a good step in the direction uh, I was asking uh, all the rest of the season. So we didn't test any time attack. Uh, what I was testing uh, was with new tires, uh, used tires, and we were always competitive. So I think we did a really good job. And the, the most important question for the last one, we have only two pretty short months until Sepang, so what's the plan to, uh, to get some relaxation in before then? I will have uh, another week of relax before, doing, uh, before starting again with the preparation of next year. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to start again preparing myself, but uh, we need to. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to that again, the bike, because I want to be back, but uh, a bit more, more calm is, uh, is great. Thanks for talking to us. Grazie. Simon, uh, Becca Bagnai, the MotoGP champion, is, uh, sounds quietly confident about 2024, despite you know, the, the big news. And I, I think he is also genuinely quite jazzed up about the big news and the sort of the addition of Mark Marquez into the into the fold for the reasons that we've talked about that, you know, it's a, you know, he's already a two-time champion. The next big step for his legacy is this. I mean, so I, I sat down to speak with Peco in like Argentina, right back at the start of the season. And he was super honest at the time about how he didn't see his, at the time, one title in the, the same regard as he saw Valentino Rossi's or Mark Marquez's or Jorge Lorenzo's because he hadn't beaten who he believed to be the best of the best at the time because Mark Marquez has essentially been injured for the last few years. So I, I think Peco sees the chance to take on Mark Marquez and, and try and beat him as like the, the, the sort of cementing of his own legacy Yeah, that he believes that all of his titles become worth more if he can beat Mark Marquez and equal machinery at the end of the season. And you know, you gotta applaud the guy for that, because it's 
it's it's it's bold to presume that he is going to, because let's be honest, we've all been hyping up Marquez as a potential title uh, contender right away. So it's not going to be an easy task. But Bagnaya absolutely seems up for the challenge. He seems like someone that's that's confident and happy and ready to battle for it. And, you know, as he said after the test, although it's nice to hear it in his own words as well on, on the pod, he sounds like someone who believes that Ducati have brought him the bike that, you know, he absolutely needs to do it with as well. That's an incremental gain, not a massive step forward in any one area, but just better everywhere than the, the year old machine that Marquez is going to start the season and probably finish the season two on. Yeah, I, probably, I, I, I can't imagine he'll want to emphasize the differences between GP24 and GP23 if there are if there are differences going forward. I mean, you know, factory riders always say that the older spe- spec bike is basically the same thing. And those on the older spec bikes are like, oh, there's two universes, two galaxies between the, between the two bikes. One of them rides itself, but my thing, it's terrible, completely outdated. Let's see if we see any of that dynamic in 2024. But, you know, for now, as you say, he had a real good test. Um, I think there's only so much we can say after Valencia, and it's really, you know, it's it's going to be Sepang and stuff that we'll really know whether whatever Ducati has brought is agreeing with Pecco and how happy he is about it continuing to learn from the mistakes of that one-off season that left him a, a nervous mess and a wreck. Uh, but for now, promising in terms of a three-peat? I, I actually think that we're not going to hear a lot different from Paco because it sounds like things are, are fairly under control and it's it's going to come down, you know, deciding whether or not he's going to make it three titles in a row is going to come down to what we hear his rivals say at the Sepang test at this point because uh, he's he's sounds like someone that's, you know, by and large got the kind of got the grip of things, has got a bike that's that's not a massive leap forward that gives him everything he needs, that's going to be a bit better and a bit faster, but not, do you know what what that disastrous bike did in uh, 2022 and kind of shake things up completely? It's it's going to be a while yet before I'm willing to say that he's definitely going to fight for a title next year because we need to see a little bit more of that Mark Marquez magic uh, come Sepang and Qatar tests. But he, you know, in in a normal situation, Paco Bagnaia is in the next season as the reigning champion and the obvious favorite for the title. Man. There's a there's a very 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 small part of me that's like, can we have Qatar 2024 right now? Tomorrow. Again, that is a very small part. I would like to emphasize this. It's you know it's this sort of academic interest, but it's obviously there's also the realization that if Qatar 2024 was now, then both Simon and I would absolutely crumble into dust. I mean, I'd I'd happily do what we essentially did in 2020 and just have the Qatar race tomorrow and then stop for six months. Yeah. That works for me. Up for that. Like physically and mentally, that works I think for that, me. That know? would partly make off-season content easier, partly would make it a bit harder. Finally, uh, Simon also grabbed a word with the new Moto3 champion who will be in Moto2 in 2024 and already had his you know, post-season test debut, Xiaomi Masia. Let's hear from Xiaomi. So, Xiaomi Masia... How, how has the last, I guess, the last two weeks been the championship, arriving home, being able to celebrate it in front of your home crowd in Valencia? It must have been uh, pretty special. Well, uh, for sure it was a really busy weeks, but 
Yeah, still I don't I don't celebrate how I won, not the <laughs> championship because uh, also Sunday night I was thinking going party uh, after dinner, but at the end I I well I realized I had one test in uh, the <laughs> next day, so I also wanted to to start well. Uh, let's say I went uh, sleep uh, in a not super good hour, but uh, an acceptable <laughs> hour for sure. <laughs> what uh, what has what has been the the best bit of it? What has been the best bit of of kind of realizing now that you are a world champion? Well, uh, like I said, still still not not really believing it. Uh, um, but I think this is a process, no? And also, um, when you are a guy that struggled that much, no? Had many, many uh, bad moments in the career. Uh, so I think it's even harder to realize and uh, to to really accept what what I did. I think this is the the most important thing you said after the championship about how maybe this year was going to be the last year. I mean, this is a crazy situation, but also it's it's not so strange in Model Three right now. No, 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 for sure it's, it's not it's not that that crazy because at the end also was my my sixth year. Uh, I've been with Red Bull KTM with Leopard already before, and uh, let's say I, I I've been in the best uh, top teams in Moto Three, and uh, yeah. I also think I I was a little bit unlucky in the past with some other riders uh, uh, that kicked me off of the race and these kind of things. But yeah, like I said, um, in this world, uh, or you are really young and really talented, like for example Pedro and now Fermin, that everyone wants this. Uh, or if not, you are only that you have money, no? Or, or you you have some sponsor that is helping you. Uh, I mean, like many, 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 many riders. Uh, uh, I w I would say that more of the in MotoGP, not not anymore, uh, because also in the past, like Rabat or Abraham, yeah. they were paying for racing, yeah. and this is obviously. But in Moto3, in Moto2, I would say more than the 50-60% still, still paying for racing. This is crazy. This is not the way it should be. Well, uh, also, I, I can understand a little bit the teams, no? Because yeah. um, I think now with, with, the new, with the new way to see the races, Dazon is yeah. called. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think the... I mean, the expectation, I think, is less now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I remember in the past uh, when it was open for everyone, yeah. uh, most people know you in the street. Uh, I remember the the age of uh, Faubel, Barbera, uh, these kind of riders still really, really famous uh, in Spain. Yes. And uh, now they only see you on Instagram and they only see you on, on these kind of things. And uh, yeah, I I understand also the the teams because they struggle more to bring the sponsors and they also need to to survive. Yeah, this is true. What looking looking to your season, what was it that changed this year? What was it that that gave you the little bit extra? Was it the team? Because we know that Leopard have an amazing experience, amazing reputation in Moto Three, or was it something from you? That well, I think uh, everything was like a. Uh, a mix, no, uh, like the perfect combination. 
We, for sure, uh, at the beginning of the year, um, honestly, our bike was really, really slow compared to the KTMs, and um, we struggled a lot. Uh, but yeah, at the end, we, we keep working, and even the bike was not on the same level. Let's say as, as a team, as a combination, as a trusting moments, I think we were one step in front of everyone. And yeah, I enjoy a lot uh, every single day with them, every single moment. And this uh, we also enjoy from the, the bad moments. And uh, this is difficult to say, but everyone understood that after a bad moment, for sure, will come a, a better one. And uh, yeah, we were uh, loving every single uh, step of the process, no? And uh, to, to achieve what we did. So. Uh, yeah, that's it. And next year is a, maybe a really good time to go to Moto2 because the change of the tyres is going to make a big difference. It's a, a good opportunity maybe for someone to come in and get good results in their first year. Yeah, I think uh, it's been the, the perfect moment to, to move up. Um, well, I, I made the test on Monday and yeah. I felt surprised with the bike. I enjoy a lot riding this this bike. And uh, yeah, I think it can be a, a, a surprising year for everyone. And uh, yeah, we will see. It, it almost seems like the guys who spend a little bit more time in Moto3, you, you grow up, you mature, and it makes moving to Moto2 easier. When you look at people like you, people like I think Sasaki will have a good season this year because of the experience, the maturity. Well, I think also, uh, yeah, I jump, I jump it in the, in the, let's say, in my perfect moment of my career. Uh, I, I'm really mature and I, I really know how to handle the, the difficult moments. And yeah, at least at, at, at my point of view, for me, uh, I think will be an interesting year. Uh, I think I, I, fini I finished 12 at 0 0.5 from the new lab record in Valencia. Yeah. Uh, that means is is surprising i think the yeah, surprising also for me because the the next two rookies was uh, moreira 0 0.8 and then ayumu 2.5 from yes. from me and and also onku i was expecting a little bit more but yeah at the end it was also a test but a test where everyone goes really really fast <laughs> cool well good luck next season and thanks for talking to us thank you very much Now, Sai, I gotta say, I am I am a little bit surprised this interview happened and went off as coolly as it did, given you had some, some fairly strong opinions on Xiaomi's Moto3 uh, coronation, which I appreciate the prize gala wasn't really the time or the place to relitigate with Xiaomi himself. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, I, I had strong opinions about the way him and his team handled the last race and... and you know, sort of dirty tactics and aggressive moves that I didn't think had any real place in in the, well, actually in the penultimate round of the championship, not even in the last round. And, and mainly because Jama Masia is a well-spoken, polite kid who I didn't think needed to devalue his title by resorting to dirty tactics when he had a race in hand. And this is, the, the, the aftermath of it is something that we've seen over and over again in, in MotoGP racing, where, the, we have the best riders in the world but we absolutely do not have the best PR staff in the world and and sometimes riders get left out to dry by their own teams um the, actually the the best 
the best description of what we saw in uh, in Qatar with the, the penultimate Moto3 race came not from anyone within the Leopard team, but from uh, Masia's teammate's brother, Raul Fernandez, who had a, a bit of a quiet word with me to say, look, you were really harsh on my brother because his brother Adrian was was fighting hard and pulled off a few moves that were borderline illegal to make sure that Ayumi Sasaki wasn't in the title fight. Um, Certainly interesting. <laughs> but but Raul yes. came to me and said, look, it wasn't nice, it wasn't pleasant, but unfortunately we're all here to fight for a title and sometimes people's emotions and anger and hot-headedness kind of get away with them a bit and you do things that in hindsight you regret now if the leopard team had come out and said that at the time instead of like openly mocking and laughing uh ayumi sasaki in the the in a very very um ungracious championship winning press conference uh i think everyone's mood would have been immediately been a little bit deflated and i think it's it's Masia's team's fault that he wasn't better prepared for that I think so yeah I, I didn't get into it too much with him um and and we were you know polite and well behaved both of us during the interview because I'm sure he knows what I said and he didn't raise it either which is fine but um I actually think that the what he, we talked about was more interesting because this thing about Moto three and Moto two riders needing to pay their way is not something that many riders are very you know happy to to kind of openly talk about. It's a bit of a dark secret in the paddock. So fair play to him for for you know being willing to come out and speak about it. It is a, it is a, an interesting thought that I, I is probably you know a bit based very I wouldn't say narrowly but based on his own experiences as a rider who has been very good for years in Moto three but not quite at the level where. A, a big MotoGP team or a big manufacturer will say, okay, this kid, we just need to, we need to make sure he gets with us and we need to, you know, and Moto2 teams at the same time, like, which honestly looking at his postseason test in Moto2 right now, he actually had a really good first test. Really, really good, good really test. promising. So for, for the listener, um, Jaume Masia is, is very much clearly a name worth worth watching out for in Moto2 next year. And then, you know, if you do well in Moto2, then, you know, the premier class is right there. The The mind of MotoGP teams changes very fast. Uh, but I think about what you said about the Moto2 and Moto3 riders and, you know, the pay-to-play and specifically the point about the erosion of the middle class in those categories. And I think we discussed this a lot, you know, in, Bar- in, in Valencia privately, the, the situation where... Moto2 and Moto3 can't really be a thing in of themselves where a career Moto2 and Moto3 rider who's, you know, a front runner but doesn't really harbor obvious potential or maybe even interest to be riding in MotoGP for one reason or another doesn't really make as much sense anymore in the in the modern context. And it feels like Xiaomi has also t- tied that down to, you know, coverage and exposure. And, you know, not, you know, Hector Barbara and uh, Fabel, whose name Hector is Fabel. Hector yeah, yeah, Fabel. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, it yeah. can't be both Hector. But yeah, they are, of yeah. course, both Hector. Um, not being, you know, not being that kind of household name right now is is very much part of it. And maybe that's maybe that's the resolution to it. 
I have to say I'm agnostic on whether the situation needs a resolution. I'm, you know, I'm, I come from four wheels. In four wheels, F2 and F3 exist to bring drivers to F1 or bring them to sports cars. They don't exist to have drivers race there for 500, for 100 or 500 races. But I've, you know, I've had to look at it from a more traditionalist motorcycling perspective. And I appreciate there is a different, more traditionalist motorcycling perspective that deserves deserves its time in the in the spotlight and deserves to, for the case to be made. I mean, we, we, we go to a number of circuits that are named after guys that only won in the small classes. It, it is a very Spanish thing as well, traditionally. You know, Spain's first ever Premier Class winner only came along in 2000, 99, with Alex Crivier. It has traditionally been a, a Spanish thing to concentrate in the lower classes. And I get why that, it still is a thing that appeals to you know to some of these guys who maybe aren't you know aren't even physically built for MotoGP. Like, how many times would Danny Pedrosa be a world champion now if he'd stayed in two fifties? You know, he'd have cleaned up in that class for years and and been hugely successful the way that Angel Nieto was. But the the you know obviously things have changed and it's all about the push up to MotoGP. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with having class specialists at any level. Um, I think that MotoGP's maximum age rules, especially in Moto3, that pushes guys out are ridiculous because of that. Because I don't think we would end up with a, a bunch of old guys wobbling around and no room for kids. Because, you know, with things like the Junior GP series, teams spot talent and will always make room for them. We know how ruthless MotoGP teams are, Moto2, Moto3 teams are. Uh, as we've seen time and time again this season, so yeah, I, I I think it's something that it's something that's definitely worth considering as a fan that the fastest guys aren't necessarily the guys that get the rides, um, and it's something that you know potentially the sport does need to look at to to have a bit of a fairer system. I think we'll have time to go more into juniors. I think we'll have time to. We need to do our top tens for the for the MotoGP season, which I've started. Yes, we do. I've started looking at now, and I'm already annoyed at myself and annoyed at the choices I'm going to have to make, and annoyed at both being too boring and too creative. In right now, in equalish measure, but I I really do fear falling on the, on the side of too creative just for the sake of being creative. I'll try to rein myself in in that regard. For now, this is. These are our three interviews for today. Thank you, Jaume. Thank you, Peko. Thank you, Pedro. And thank you for sticking around and listening. And we will see you many, many more times in the off-season. And then we'll go to Qatar and we'll have like a whole full season of racing. And it just goes on and on and on and on again. Uh, this is why I don't regularly do this. Because I just start rambling and airing random grievances about the structure of life. Which isn't really part of the remit of this podcast. Until next time, goodbye. The Athletic.